It's another Rich in Relationship Live. And today we are talking about divorcing a rageaholic. And what is a rageaholic? As the name would imply, a rageaholic is someone who is hooked on the adrenaline of being pissed off. They're angry all the time. They're raging all the time. Well, not completely true. I mean, they people marry them, so they can't be raging all the time. And the truth is that when people marry them, they're pretty reasonable human beings. They just have moments of rage. And yet, as the relationship evolves, they tend to dive deeper and deeper into that well of anger, despair, and rage. And what is that like? So let's talk more about this state of mind. You know, in the past, we talked about narcissists. We talked about alcoholics. And there's definitely crossover between narcissists and alcoholics and rageaholics. Narcissists tend to think of themselves all the time. Me, 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 me. Uh, and they want to win at the expense of you. Alcoholics flip in and out of narcissism. Uh, as their disease progresses, they've certainly become more narcissistic, but it's less about me and more about this, about the drink. Um, and both narcissists and alcoholics can get angry and be raging. And it, it would be safe to say that rageaholics have, certainly have aspects of narcissism as well. But I think the difference is that alcoholics have a diagnosable disease. Narcissists even have a, an illness that is diagnosable by a therapist or a psychiatrist. I'm not sure rageaholics do. So what are the challenges? You find yourself married to someone who is bullying you all the time. Anytime that they have a difference of opinion with you, they express it by being really angry. They yell at you. They scream at you. They are emotional terrorists. They might not hit you. They might not be physical with you, but they are definitely emotional terrorists. And it's not unusual when people marry someone like this to not realize that they're with an emotional terrorist. In fact, it might be that in their childhood, they had people like this in their lives. And so they're kind of used to it. And they're used to helping these people to avoid getting angry. So they spend a lot of their energy managing the rageaholics so that they're not raging at them. They're raging about other things to them, but not at them. And then this thing happens that changes the whole game. They have children. And why does that change the game? Because suddenly the parent of the child sees the impact of that rage on the child. The child does not know how to manage an angry parent. The child is just here, it's just landed, it has no clue. With the parent who has been directing the rage elsewhere, now finds himself in a tough spot. There's this innocent, beautiful child in their life and that the child doesn't know how to navigate it. And so the child becomes what? The recipient of that rage. And suddenly the parent who has masterfully redirected that rage at other people, or they've been receiving it about other people, which is not anywhere near as scary as being pummeled emotionally by someone who's pissed off, 
finds that their innocent child is now the recipient of this rage. And suddenly they can't protect them. No matter how much they twist themselves into a pretzel, no matter what they do, they cannot divert that rage away from that child. And they see the look in that child's eyes. And perhaps what happens is they recall their childhood where they got conditioned to manage anger like this. And they have empathy for that child and they realize something has to change. And so I'm gonna tell you a story about a family like this. Kim was married to Andy. They married at a, Andy was actually a little older. He was very respected in his community, community, very intelligent man, accomplished, had a doctorate, in fact. I mean, this was an accomplished human being. And Kim was in love with Andy and married him. And they enjoyed traveling together and had a good life together. And it's very much the story that I was telling you, you know, uh, Andy was prone to fits of anger and Kim would manage it. Kim was very adept at redirecting anything that might sound like criticism or anger away from herself. She was actually a master of it. She grew up with a very critical parent in her life. And so she was really talented at diverting negative emotion. They had a child together, a son, and things seemed to be okay in the beginning. Um, Andy seemed to be a very loving and caring father, but Kim started to notice changes in Andy's behavior as their son grew older. Kim started to notice that their son would spill milk and Andy would just explode. What? What are you doing? I can't believe you're doing that. And she started to realize this wasn't normal standard behavior and she got concerned. She thought maybe she was doing something wrong because as a child, she had always felt responsible for the other person's feeling and ensuring that it landed in a place that was safe. And she couldn't seem to get that to happen. She felt oddly responsible. Maybe she was failing in the marriage in some way. She hadn't put two to two, two and two together yet about what was actually going on with Andy. And she decided to have another child. You know, it's not unusual when marriages get a little quirky for people to go to having another child because there's something about being pregnant that uh, they're treated differently. Um, they, they act like uh, very often when someone's, uh, women in particular are pregnant, they've got emotional changes going on and they're feel more energized and they show up differently. It changes the game. So they had a second child, they had a daughter, beautiful young lady. Meanwhile, Andy is still unloading on their son. And Kim is starting to get very anxious now. I mean, she'd gone through the pregnancy, she has the child and still it isn't fixed and she didn't know what to do. She lasted uh, until her son was six and her daughter was four before she cracked. And she realized she had to get them out of this marriage and herself as well. Not because she didn't care for Andy, not because he didn't care for the children, but because the explosions were getting bigger and louder and more and more directed at the children. The children were terrified. And so she got a divorce. 
she, the divorce went relatively smoothly. She managed to get separated from him. But here's why with the raging parent, the trauma can go on and on and on. Post-divorce, Kim, uh, actually she remarried, happily remarried, nice guy, good family situation. She had no strategies she could give her children to protect themselves because every time they were in Andy's presence, he was angry. The only strategies she could work on with them was to understand how to deflect the anger, how, how not to trigger it, um, that it wasn't really about them. And still she could never remove the pain from them. They would come home from being at his house crying because he had gone off on them in some way. They would come home from his house in just such agony. And as they got older, it got worse and nothing she could say could help them. And this is kind of the tragedy of the raging parent. There's, it's, even though you can teach your children how to deflect anger, even though you can teach your children how to avoid triggering the rage at Pollock, it won't stop them. And the more that their rageaholism progresses, the more likely they are to be triggered, the more likely they are to be in that agitated state. And it got to the point where no matter what she did for her children, they were exposed to it again and again and again. And now the children were okay, they're, they were healthy, they're strong, but they never had a strong relationship with, this, with Andy. And the outcome is that um, they both have issues around trust and intimacy uh, and being close to people uh, and not so good at confrontation either, right? And, and in real life, confrontation happens all the, the time. And so something they've worked on in years of therapy is how to be confrontational without being angry or without giving in or without avoiding it because that, that's all they had. Really uh, painful, tragic, tragic story. And Andy, uh, to my knowledge, is still a rageaholic today, still the same man. Um, actually, what his, the children ended up doing was the strategy they finally came up with was that they could not talk to him because they didn't want to be the recipient of his rage anymore. And no matter what they said and no matter what they did, no matter if they apologized or if they fought him, he, they were always in the wrong with him because his position was he was always going to be dumping his anger on them. So the tragedy of this is this is one of the hardest personality types to uh, destructive personality types to deal with. First of all, if you're having this experience, if you have someone that you feel is angry all the time with you and with your children, get that this is super painful and super destructive on children's character, on their sense of who they are. The first thing you need to do with them is to continue to insulate them from the, from the angry person. You need to continue to reassure them one-to-one -one and one-to-two or one-to-three, no matter how many kids you have. You need to, building them up, build up their self-esteem, build up, remind them that they are not the problem. Remind them that mommy or daddy has a problem and that they should not take it personally. Now, a part of them won't get that. Unconsciously, they're still gonna be 
feeling responsible for their parents' feelings because that's how kids are wired. For whatever reason, irrationally, they feel responsible. But consciously, they're going to start to build a mindset of this isn't about me, this isn't about me. And eventually, those feelings will all come into alignment. Encourage them, build them up, let them know that what's going on over there is not about those children, that there's a problem over there that has nothing to do with them. Also, the dilemma of the person who is divorcing a raging person is that in some way they feel terribly responsible because they married that person. But remember that you married that person, you would not have these children that you love had you not married that person. And so the dilemma is if you hadn't married them, you would never have these children who you are freaking adore, right? You cannot help but love them. And so you need to appreciate for your children's sake at the very least that there was something good about that marriage. And in the beginning, that level of rage and anger and emotional terrorism probably was not what it was. It's something that built up over time. And the cues may have been there, but you were not trained to recognize them as you are today. And that this is what happens in life. You know, we walk into situations and we see things that are not 100%. But we also see the best in that person when we marry them, when we fall in love with them. We see them as so much more than they see themselves. And we see them as growing beyond those limitations. And what happens sometimes in marriage is they don't. What happens sometimes in marriage is they move in a completely different direction. What happens sometimes in marriage is who they become is irreconcilable with who we saw them as being. There's nothing that we as human beings can do to help them get back to that place. To move from where they are to that place that we saw them going would literally take a miracle or an act of God or some form of higher power or whatever your belief system is, something beyond being human. And so just get that when you fell in love with them and when you married them and when you're in that space, that what you saw as possible was possible. And that now that you are cocooning and encircling and protecting your children, not so possible. So your job is now to continue to deflect the rageaholic and protect your children from them. And at the same time, still allow your children to have a relationship with them, which is heartbreaking. And so there are lessons that you need to teach your children on the side without pointing them at their mother or father, who's the rageaholic, which is a real challenge. There are lessons that you need to teach them about conflict and how to manage conflict in ways that are positive. And there are positive ways to manage conflict and what to do when the person on the other side is unwilling to manage conflict positively and how to manage your own feelings in the face of people who insist on being emotional terrorists, bullies, whatever you call, whatever you would call them. There are lessons that your children will need to learn about how to protect themselves, how to protect the people that they love. There are lessons that your children will need to learn about how to stand for themselves without asking to take it on the chin. There are lessons that your children will need to learn about how to surrender to being a victim even. So surrendering to being a victim might be, this situation is irreconcilable. They have power over me. They are my parent. They have power over me. They're bigger than me. They're stronger. They have financial hold over me. And so maybe the best thing I can do is just go to my room and wrap myself around my pillow uh, and not talk with them or let them know. I tell them I'm not feeling well. It might even be that your children need to learn to be dishonest in small ways. Mommy, 
I'm really not feeling very well. Can we talk about it later? I'm, uh, mommy, I'm sorry. Mommy, I don't feel well. You know, or daddy, whoever the person is, whoever the other parent is, there's going to be a lot of lessons that your children need to learn about how to deal with people who show up as bullies. A lot of lessons they're going to need to learn about how to stand for themselves. A lot of lessons they're going to need to learn about how to stand for other people in those situations. There's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot. Not like there's any more than for the child of the alcoholic, not that there's any more for the child of the narcissist, but emotional terrorism and bullying, this is something that's so pervasive in our culture uh, that when it shows up in our home, which is the one place we expect to be safe, the repercussions are pretty ferocious is what I'm telling you. So maybe you have somebody like this in your life today. Maybe you're living with someone who is emotionally violent or uh, who is raging. Maybe they're on the beginning of it and you're seeing that they're increasing. What should you do? If it doesn't feel safe to you to call them on it, you can't call them on it. If it doesn't feel safe to you, I'm in no way suggesting that when you're living with someone like that, that you should feel like you have to fight back. If someone is really emotionally violent, they're on the edge of being physically violent. So when and how you fight back needs to be selected very carefully. The most surefire way to fight someone back who has this going on is legally. Uh, the most surefire way to help yourself process how to manage this per kind of person around your children. You may be, you may be amazing and managing someone like this on your own, like Kim was. And you may be baffled at how to protect your children around them. The thing to do is to call a spiritual advisor, a professional like myself, a therapist, a coach, friends, probably not your family, because the chances are you've emerged from a family that has some of that going on and they may just not understand it. If you, if, if you have that dynamic going on with your mother or father as a child, then they're not going to have much to say about it because what you married into is very similar to what you grew up with. So you're going to be looking for people who have an outside perspective on this. You probably want to consult with an attorney and just ask them what the possibilities are. And you probably don't want your partner to know about it. With this personality type, you don't want to pull the trigger on getting divorced until you have everything set up in your mind in advance. How can you keep the exposure to rage at the divorce to a minimum in, in terms of your children? What's your plan? And you may be, it may be necessary to sacrifice more with this person. You know, with an alcoholic uh, in the divorce process, you're probably not gonna sacrifice as much because let's face it, they've got some vulnerability. Usually they're having trouble showing up at work. They have uh, not been showing up for the children. They've been financially inept. So they've got more social vulnerability. Um, with the narcissist and with the rageaholic, though, you may, the rageaholic in particular, you may want to give up some financial ground just to get some security for your children. And sometimes that's a trade, that's a reasonable trade that people make because you can always make more money, but you can't unscar your children. If you need to reach, out to me, you can schedule an appointment with me through the following link.
This is a free consultation. It's something I do for people in this position because I've got some experience with it and I'm always willing to help. bit.ly, bit.ly forward slash rich, my name, capital R, I-C-H, one, two, one. And in the notes, just mention why you're calling so I have a clue because I get a lot of people who schedule calls and I have no idea why they want to talk to me. It helps if I have an idea of what I'm walking into. Also, you can learn more about this through our podcast and video blog and blogs at our website, rich at richinrelationship.com is my email, richinrelationship.com, R-I-C-H-I-N-R-E-L-A-T-I-O-N-S-H-I-P.com. And if you're in this situation, it is imperative that you start creating a plan now. You don't have to take an action now, but you do want to learn as much as you can, start laying in your network of support, figuring out how you're going to move through this in the way that is best for your children as soon as possible. Because every day that you stay in this relationship, the children have a complete lack of safety, except when they're alone with you. And when you do separate yourself from the raging parent, then at least they have the sanctuary of your home. They know that that person will not be coming in, that with you in that home, they are safe. And that's huge. I can't emphasize how important that is. Thank you and have an awesome, awesome day. Yeah.